I'm Philippe from the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, you are listening for What's Up Whitecaps. Hey everyone, what's up Whitecaps? It was a busy week for us and the Whitecaps. Not so much for Pacific FC, but we will get to everything in today's conversation. We'll certainly cover that stuff, but what else do we have for today? Other than our usual stuff with Pacific, the Whitecaps, and just general soccer around BC, we'll also take a look at the upcoming summer tournaments for both the Canadian men's and women's national teams as they both release their provisional rosters this week. Yep, but first I think we're going to have a look at a couple of games and see how they went. So Whitecaps first Sporting Kansas City. Um, Cornelius goal. It was a good goal. It was a great goal. It was, it was a good goal. Right, right at the death too. We, yeah, we, uh, really great. Henry went down in that game and we did have the man advantage for a good portion of that game, almost half an hour, but we don't tend to play that well when we're up a man, which is mm-hmm. sort of ironic. It, that was the same under all the way back to Tater Torsen in 2011. Uh, we find it hard playing a man up, but we bring on Derek Cornelius and... He used to be a striker, and he ties it up late in the game with a wicked strike from inside the box. Which was awesome. And we see Ali Adnan. He cut cut in early there as well and got that cross in. It looked kind of unthreatening, and uh, Benny Failhaber on SKC was just not marking uh, Derek Cornelius in the box, assuming, what can a center back do? And then he pulls this one out of the back pocket and volleys it right past Timelia to get a point on the road for the Whitecaps, which I think was a very good result given the circumstances. Definitely. And then uh, we had Whitecaps versus New York Red Bulls. Now, if you don't know this, uh, the flight to New York originally that the Whitecaps were going to have to get on was cancelled. So they had to get a last-minute charter to New York and arrived at 3 a.m. That's really going to affect a team. And that was the day they are playing the game too. Mm. There was a video the Whitecaps posted on Twitter of Jake Nowinski and Scott Sutter coming off the plane saying, Let's go. It's game day, and they look pissed. I know uh, AFTN Canada, I follow Whitecaps' website. They commented on this and how ridiculous it is that uh, MLS teams are only allowed three charters uh, per season, and the Whitecaps had to waste this one on a game where they really shouldn't have wasted it. The team stayed in Kansas City for two extra days and didn't come back to Vancouver as it was a midweek game in New York, and Kansas City's already sort of halfway there. And I think personally, they should have just gone straight to New York and spent a couple of days in New York rather than staying in uh, Kansas City. Mm. But that's a mistake, and it looked like it was going to cost them because you go into a game, the guys really didn't sleep. They were on a plane, given it's a charter, so a bit nicer. But I was really not expecting much from that Red Bulls game. But it turned out to be one of the best games of the season. <laughs> what it, crazy, isn't it? A 2 2 draw on the road uh, against New York. We. We're a bit different in our lineup. There was definitely some squad rotation uh, as the team has gone through a really busy spell here. We saw Zach McMath in goal again. Uh, we saw Andy Rose play at center back, and we also saw five defenders at the back, which we haven't seen yet this year. Um, Ali Adnan, of course, he's on his loan, which expires in just a, a couple weeks here. And so he did start another game, but we saw a lot of rotation in that game. And it was a good game. I thought Ardais did well, and I thought that It was generally a good away game. What were your thoughts on that one, Tom? I thought it was a really good game considering the circumstances. It's funny. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Perlo, he said something about the fact that he played FIFA all night before the World Cup and then the next uh, day won the World Cup. So it's interesting really to see how the mental factor comes into playing a soccer game. And also that uh, goal line save from Goodoy, that was something. It was world class. I mean, that was at a point where... The Whitecaps were leading one nothing, and uh, then New York had just tied it up. 
and that would have given New York the lead pretty close to after they had tied it up, and that could have really taken the gas out of the Whitecaps. Mm-hmm. And New York did get that 2-1 lead, and the Whitecaps did fight back with a late penalty and VAR finally going our way for once. Finally. And, uh, but that goal line save was a real game changer, and another tw- Twitter account that is definitely wor- worth a follow is Soccer Photographica, and they use math and different computer equations to take a look at questionable plays like Godoy's goal line clearance and see if the ball really crossed the line, and it didn't. So it was just a general world-class clearance from uh, Eric Godoy there. Very well done. And uh, then we had Whitecaps versus FC Dallas. Now, we did have five at the back again, so maybe we're going to be seeing that a bit more. And that that was at home too. Mm -hmm. Uh, One more thing on the Red Bulls was – we saw another goal from a defender. Scott Sutter scored the first goal that game. Freddie Montero did add with a penalty later. But Scott Sutter was the third game a defender scored a goal. Uh, we saw Cornelius in uh, Kansas City, Sutter in New York, and we even, uh, now getting to the Dallas game, we even saw Ali Adnan uh, open his Whitecaps account uh, in the 2-1 win over Dallas. What were your thoughts on that win? It was a good win, and we had Ali Adnan's ridiculous goal that's made so many sports, soccer highlights, um, Instagram accounts uh, and Facebook, social media accounts, even from for European uh, soccer accounts. So it's really good to get some attention, uh, not just to the MLS, but to the Whitecaps, especially after we also had uh, Davies, you know, bringing lots of attention from Europe and just big, big uh, soccer populations. Uh, what was your thoughts on the game? It makes me want that think that we're gonna really miss Adnan when he leaves. You, yeah. you see him just burst down the wing, get ahead, split those two defenders in a wicked strike into the top corner. It, I don't see anyone else on the roster who can do that. I mean, Brett Levi's he's not going in there. PC he's not going in there and fixing that. And we might have to see that in the next couple games because Adnan did go down with an injury, another injury for the kind of injury struck in Whitecaps that we'll go into a bit later in the podcast. But yeah, yeah. it was just, I don't know what they're going to do with the left-back position. It's like, as so I Adnan decided to turn into Messi for two, three seconds and then just get injured. It, yeah. it, was, it, it was crazy. It was It was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was. The, the, se- the second goal of the game was also pretty crazy. Oh, did you see? It was so perfectly placed. One, the finish was beautiful by Benuto, Be- right on the ground into the far post. A beautiful... Final pass from Montero, that little flick. That was, but what most people didn't notice, 18 passes leading up to that goal. I can't remember a time the Whitecaps made 18 passes. There was almost a minute of possession the Whitecaps had. And Can I, you remember a time that we did that under Robinson? I don't think so. No, and as I think uh, it really shows uh, how good of a game we played, and I think that's why uh, our coach, MDS, Marcus DeSantos, got the... Uh, coach of the week for the MLS. So anyway, um, did we have uh, Theo Bear's debut as well? It was Theo Bear's debut, and uh, he got just over twenty minutes, taking off Freddie Montero. Yep. Uh, in the last couple of minutes, and he did quite well. I thought he was defensively responsible. He got himself a good chance. Uh, that little flick. I thought when the cross came in, I kind of thought he'd overrun it, but he got his leg back and sort of a scorpion kick right into the hands of. Dallas goalkeeper Jesse Gonzalez. Uh, and, of course, he didn't get the goal, but another good debut from a Whitecaps Academy product, a lot like Simon Coline's debut last year. Um, 
and I'd, I'd like to see him get a few more opportunities than Coline has gotten. Of course, he is a little bit older than Coline, so he's not off with the youth national teams. Uh, so he, I could see him maybe even getting a start in this next coming game. Yeah, for sure. He played really well. And that next game is going to be Toronto FC. And that's another Friday night affair at BC Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first time in two years, Toronto FC will be coming out to the West Coast to visit Vancouver. And they'll be looking a little different than the last time the Vancouver soccer fans saw TFC. There's no Sebastian Javinko. Mm. However, he was at BMO Field to take in a game in the President's Suite a couple days ago. Um, but they do have Alejandro Pozuelo their new designated player who has reinvigorated their attack after a really, really dismal start to the year. Mm-hmm. Do, now, do you think, considering Tehrone FC haven't been a very strong team this year, even though they were incredibly strong the uh, past couple of years, do you think we're going to have five at the back again? I really don't know whether to do five at the back. It sort of depends on who's healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because five at the back, we, could, we definitely have a lot of defensive-minded players that we can put in as stop gaps. And we see Andy Rose. He's been able to slide in. He's a smart player. Uh, and he's been able to slide in as a center back. But it depends whether we really have a true left back in Eliana and if Henry is doing okay and what are our options in midfield as well. Um, Reyna returned to full training uh, just today on the day of recording on Tuesday. So we might be able to see him and seeing how he progresses this week. So I really have no idea, this being Tuesday and the game on Friday night, uh, what it's going to look like lineup-wise. But I do think that whether it's three at the back, five at the back, or four at the back, we are in a good position. And Toronto FC, they haven't won since May 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a good game, and I'm predicting a good two-one win. I reckon that's my prediction for the game. What's your prediction? If the Whitecaps were to get a two-one win, it would put them into a playoff spot, first of all. Wow. Uh, which is kind of weird, considering I haven't really thought of this team as a, playoff, a playoff team. team. Um, but Not it, yet, that is. It really could be. Yeah. Uh, and things are starting to click like we kind of foreshadowed a little earlier in the season. There were moments where we saw what this team wants to play about and wants to be about, um, but it's finally starting to click, and it's also starting to fall apart for Toronto FC. Yeah, and... Uh, but luckily for Toronto, they're not exactly the spotlight of the city right now. No, exactly with the uh, big Raptors, but that's uh, that's basketball. And we have an academy update. Uh, the U23s, uh, there were no games with the U23s recently, and some players have left the team in favour of playing in the collegiate uh, summer games like USL2. The remaining U23s will be playing in Wang's old team, Daejeon Citizen, uh, sorry if I didn't pronounce that right, in Korea on June 8th. That's going to be a really cool trip. That will be a pretty cool trip for those young guys. And I saw a few sort of conspiracy theories on Twitter about how the only reason for this under-23 team is to go play these international friendlies so the first team doesn't have to. Uh, One of the players who did leave is UBC Thunderbird Connor Guillermi. He's playing now for the Victoria Highlanders in USL2. and I think that's a bit of a statement on how the Whitecaps have failed the people who are over the age of 19 and aren't like Theo Bear and break into the first team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of a lost product. And you can look at Pacific FC and Victoria Highlanders and TSS Rovers here in Vancouver, and you really see that there's a lot of these kind of lost causes just middling around 
the lower levels of Canadian soccer, and uh, hopefully the Canadian Premier League will be able to fix that in the near future. Uh, mm-hmm. So now back to our academy update. The under-19s, under-17s, and under-15s all played against uh, Crossfire Premier this weekend out at UEC, and all of them won with the U-19s winning 2 nothing, the U-17s 3-1, and the U-15s 2-1. All of the teams will be closing out their academy seasons on the road with a two-week trip to Southern California in the next two weeks, uh, and they will be taking on the San Jose Earthquakes Academy and the Sacramento Republic Academy. We're going to go to an ad break right now, but we'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to the Northern Starting 11 Network. If you are a Pacific FC fan, make sure to listen to the Purple Rain Podcast. Two hosts, 3,300 kilometers apart, united by Pacific FC. A collaboration between PFC Ontario and the Hydropole, bringing you all the latest news, rumors, and discussion regarding Pacific FC. Now on the Northern Starting Eleven Network. We're back, and now we'll look at the Canadian Premier League with Pacific FC, as well as their kind of dismal showing in the Canadian Championship, falling to Cavalry FC, in which wasn't a very tight tie. Uh, Calvary, they've run away with the league this year. They've run away so far in the Canadian Championship against Pacific. They're really looking like the cream of the crop, cream of the crop in the Canadian Premier League. What are your thoughts on Pacific FC ser- series against Calvary and just Calvary as a whole, as well as what Pacific could have done better in that Canadian Championship series? Well, Calvary are a very good team, and I think we all know that, and me and Ben certainly know that, and it's safe to assume they're going to win the uh, the uh, Canadian Prem- uh, Premier League. Yeah, I mean, the the Canadian especially Premier the spring season, they've, mm-hmm. they've already run away with it so far. They're uh, six wins in six games. Uh, I really can't see any team beating them, mm-hmm. really, in the spring season. They just look so good, and, of course, they... They all played last year under Tommy Wilden Jr., the head coach, uh, with Calgary Foothills, and they won that USL League as well. Mm-hmm. And so they have that chemistry heading into this year, which is something that I think is really important heading into a quick sprint or a spring season. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the fall season, that's 18 games, so you never know. Do you think they can keep it up, Calgary, in the fall season? Not even the best Premier League teams in the world can sometimes keep it up. So I, I don't know, really. It always comes down to it. You, you can only win so many times without losing. It's incredibly hard to keep on winning, especially in, in especially when you're a very strong team and there's not much teams trying to catch up to you. Because, yeah, there's, for example, I reckon Manchester City, let's just say, I don't think they would have won as many games had Liverpool not be right up there, uh, right up there behind. And that's that has a mental effect. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to be as strong in the full season. I think they're going to drop a few. But we will see. For now, they're a very strong team. And they should be in that championship final come the fall. Uh, because they will undoubtedly win the uh, spring season in the Canadian Premier League. Back to the Canadian Championship and their tie against Pacific FC, it wasn't really a match. At home, Calvary were just on another level, uh, that at West Hill Stadium in Langford. Uh, and away for Pacific FC, started with an unlucky own goal, and by that point it was 4-1 and uh, not really any chance for Pacific FC. 
Uh, Haybird did return. He did get a goal uh, in that leg off a corner. Um, the kind of target man goal that you want to see from him. But it, to me, it just wasn't really a good matchup. And I think we can both agree that they were just un- unlucky to get John against Calvary in the first round of this. Yeah, and they're a very good team. And Pacific FC, we're not saying they're not a very good team. They're just at a different stage. It's kind of like the Whitecaps. They're, they're, at, a very, they're at a complete rebuild stage. And uh, we have to take that into account because that does have a lot to do with it. It's I know we've said this a lot, but it's it, it takes a while to really gel a team. And yeah, it does. Pacific FC, the coaching staff and the management's doing a very good job at it, except it's something that takes time and can't happen overnight, no matter what. A couple neat tidbits about that Pacific FC versus Cavalry Canadian Championship Series. The winner now goes on to play Hamilton Forge, and the winner of that plays the Whitecaps. Yeah, that would be interesting. And then we had the 2-2 tie with... Uh, York 9, Haber scoring his first uh, CPL goal. And then Fisk, also his first CPL goal with a wicked leaping strike. That was a good goal. Initially, it did look like it was deflected maybe because it just looked sort of weird. It kind Mm. of curled above the keeper and it wasn't exactly a screamer or anything like that. Uh, But it was probably from about 35 yards and it was a... Any shot from outside the box are great. great it, It was a great goal. Uh, and looking at the replay, um, there was no deflection. It was just a perfectly placed shot. Great for Ben Fisk to get on the board. And I'm very happy that Marcus Haber had a very good week as well with his goal against York 9 as well as the Canadian Championship. So hopefully this big offseason signing can kind of start putting balls in the back of the net for Pacific and try and find some success come the second half or second segment uh, of the season with those 18 games. But what do you think about the fact that we blew a 2 nothing lead to end up tying 2-2? Do you think that's going to have much of an effect when we play York 9 in even the full season? Do you think that's going to be a bonus that we may have lost uh, the points here, or do you think it's not going to have much effect? I don't think it will have much effect because, as we see, Calvary, they've run away with it already. So there's not really any chance for uh, another team to win the uh, spring season. But then again, when you go back and play York 9, a lot of these players aren't used to this spring season idea. They're used to more of a traditional single table or North American with playoffs. Uh, And so you go back to York 9 and you play them again, you definitely feel like you drop two points and you'll definitely want to find that win. And I think they can find that win, especially if their defense is healthy because they're still without Hendrik Starozik. And they did sign a uh, new player this week, um, Alexander Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was my Makalele. So I think a- any player with that nickname is going to be a very, very good defensive midfielder and kind of control that middle of the pitch. And so with Makalele coming in, maybe he pushes Baldissimo out, but with either of them in the lineup plus Tarozic back in the center of defense, it's going to be a much safer defensive situation for Pacific. Yeah, definitely. And I think the uh, Wanderers game is going to be a really, it's going to be a really good game for Pacific FC. And do you think Makalele will make his debut? Makalele will probably make his debut. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether he's going to start mm-hmm. just because. It's a long trip as well. It's a long trip. He has been playing in Panama, I believe. And in Panama, you don't have this kind of travel. 
So he's been in Victoria with the team, training for one week now, uh, and probably just starting to gel with his teammates. But then you travel across a massive country like Canada to go play Halifax. It's going to be a tough one regardless of where you're from. Even if you're from Canada, it's going to be a tough game to go play after being on a plane for that long. But for a guy from Panama, he, my bet is that he's never taken a flight that long in mm. any chance of his career. So to start, unlikely, I think we'll still see Matthew Baldissimo in that number eight spot. But I do think that he would come on as a sub. Uh, same with Ahmed Algamdi. I think if we have the game sort of in the bag or we need more offense going forward, I could see Ahmed coming on with his skill and prowess to get forward in that number eight position. That would be awesome if he bags a goal. I'm so looking forward to when Ahmed scores a goal. He'd be the youngest goal scorer in Canadian Premier League history. Yeah, he's the youngest player, yeah. so there's not many people that could beat him. What we're going to do now is we're going to have a bit of a break here, and then we're going to take a look at the Canadian men's and women's national team situation and what they look like going up into this summer's tournaments with the World Cup and the CONCACAF Gold Cup. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Pacific FC midfielder Ahmed Ghamdi, and you're listening to the What's Up Whitecaps podcast. We will now look at the Canadian national team situation, and as part of the Northern Starting Eleven Network, we are proud to cover our national teams. And that's both the men's and women's national teams, who both have massive, massive tournaments coming up this mm-hmm. summer. Let's look at the Canadian women's team first. They, of course, have the World Cup with their first com- first game coming up on June 10 versus Cameroon. It is probably Canadian legend Christine Sinclair's last World Cup, and she's only four goals off Abby Wambach's all-time goal-scoring record. Do you think it. she'll break it? Yeah, I reckon. Let's, let's hope. It would be awesome, and she's such a great player for Canada. Sorry, and she has been for ages, and it would be... It would be a really good testament and a really good tribute to her to get that uh, record. I think it's certain she will break it sometime. And while she does say that she doesn't care about records and personal accolades, it'd still be good. I'm pretty sure she's not going to be retiring until she breaks that record. Yeah. Uh, and then and she's just inspired so many of the players who are coming up. Now you look at this Canadian women's team and it's, a really, really young team. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got uh, two Whitecaps we, girls. There's two players. Whitecaps girls, uh, Jordan Heidema and Julia Grosso, but they're not even the youngest on the team anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janine Becky um, and Jesse Fleming made their debuts when they were 17 at the World Cup in Canada four years ago. And the team has kind of hit this new generation. We're not seeing the Lawrence Sessamans. We're not seeing the Kaylin Kyles anymore. It's this new stream that have been inspired by Christine Sinclair and that past generation, which brought so much success to the Canadian program. But this team, I think, is something special and could actually challenge for the World Cup. And those are my words as well as the words of uh, the captain, Christine Sinclair. Of course, one difference going into this World Cup is it's a different head coach, Kenneth Heiner-Muller, as Jordan, um, what's his name? Hmm? The head coach of the Canadian men's national team. Uh... Oh, what is it? Gosh, save me. Um, I'll get back to you in a sec. One sec. Well, any, a, anyways, the head it? coach of the Canadian men's national team is now, uh, or was the coach of the Canadian women's national team. Uh, John Herdman, that's his name. Oh, uh, thank Sorry, you. I was just racking my brain there. Uh, and 
it leaves a bit of an unknown in the in the uh, women's locker room, but I'm sure Kenneth Hunter Miller really knows this group well, and they've been together for a little while now. Mm-hmm. So there are those two former Whitecaps girls, and Jordan Heidema especially. That's pretty impressive. She what just she's signed done for PSG, correct? Yeah, yeah, that was awesome and a good, all good on her. And I think it's a really good testament to see Alfonso Davies uh, for the men's side go to Bayern, and now. Uh, this girl, uh, Jordan, going to PSG on the women's side, it shows that Whitecaps are uh, doing a very good job on both sides of the uh, youth academy. And Jordan Heidema is especially kind of built as a Whitecap right from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Davies, he developed in Edmonton, came here for a year, and there's debate whether the Whitecaps program really had an effect on him. Uh, of course, he did make his professional debut with the Whitecaps and spent a year in the program, but there is still a little leniency on how much the Whitecaps program really helped. But for Heidema, like, she was built by the Whitecaps, and now she's playing for PSG on a team that is full of Canadians with Ashley Lawrence and Kadisha Buchanan on the defense of that team. So that is very impressive. And it really shows that Canada soccer is uh, definitely going on the right track for how they're teaching their uh, youth. And I think it's a really good testament, not just to the Whitecaps, but Canada soccer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Of course, their first game is going to be broadcast on the TSN network, and that's going to be June 10 versus Cameroon, a game they should probably win quite easily. I think their only real competition in the group is the Netherlands, but this Canadian team is very talented and could challenge for the World Cup. The men's roster, on the other hand, not the World Cup. That's the long-term goal. They're still ranked about 90th in the world. U-17's got that goal. The U-17s made the World Cup, so that's uh, something that's coming up later this summer and something to look forward to. But the senior men's national team, they have the CONCACAF Gold Cup, the expanded tournament. Now it's 16 teams rather than 12. They've won it once back in 04, I believe it was. Other than that, it's been the U.S. and Mexico just trading championships. What were some of your thoughts on the Canadian men's national team roster, the 40-man preliminary roster that came out last week? Well, we had uh, lots of Whitecaps players, which I thought was good. We had Cornelius, Henry, Crapo, and Tybert, which was awesome. But I noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, there were no CPL players on there, and I found that really interesting. What were your thoughts on that? That is correct. There were no CPL players. I do wonder whether if Marcel de Jong, someone who – has consistently been in the national team camp. If he was healthy and playing regular minutes with Pacific, whether he could have found himself in the national team picture. Mm -hmm. In the end, he's injured with the uh, ACL injury and not playing this year. I don't think that many CPL players are up to the standard where they need to be at to play in the national team just yet. I think when you're looking at the Nations League later this year or in some friendlies, You'll definitely see some CPL players. I could see Marco Carducci getting a chance, Marcus Haber maybe finding himself back in the national team picture, uh, and a few other Pacific guys as well. I Personally, I'd like to see Caden Chung. I think the fullback position is something that is lacking for the men's national team, but I also do agree that they're just not quite ready yet. They haven't played a full season before. A lot of these guys are coming out of academies where – you're playing at most once a week, and the CPL, you're really playing twice a week and training full-time. Uh, one kind of odd thing I found was Will Johnson. 
is mm. on the roster. I thought that was interesting. Very odd. The Orlando City midfielder, he's been very in and out of the Canadian program the last few years, and I just don't think he deserves it. There's better players, even in the CPL, uh, who could be on the roster rather than Will Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't disagree. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I highly, highly doubt Will Johnson is going to find himself on the final 23-man roster for this summer's World Cup tournament. Of course, you did mention the four white caps on the team. Uh, Derek Cornelius, Daniel Henry, Maxine Crapo, and Russell Tybert, they're all on the 40-man roster. And I reckon they're all going to make the, As, yeah, the card. Yeah, especially with the way they've played this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry, the white caps say they're going to be just trying to get him uh, healthy for the Gold Cup because – he could be out for a little while for the Whitecaps. Uh, Derek Cornelius, he, as much as I have been divided on him so far this year, uh, he's probably going to find himself in that squad as he's one of the bright Canadian up-and-coming defenders. But the very curious question is there's Milan Borian, who has had the uh, space between the pipes for Canada, for a long time now. He plays for Red Star Belgrade in Europe. But there's also Maxime Crepeau, the Whitecaps keeper, who's been having a tremendous season. He has. He's Who starts in net for Canada, Tom? Uh, I'm biased. I would, if I was the coach, I'd want to give uh, Crepeau a start. Bourgeon's a very good player, and he's been playing very well over in Europe. But I think we should give Crepeau a start. I, I, w- I want to see how he goes. And I think he's I think he's really good under pressure. That's one thing. And that's something as a goalie you really need to focus on. Definitely. And I think he can definitely do that very well. He, and especially recently. He's also young. He is. Uh, and Borian, well, he might help you win now, giving this Gold Cup experience to Crapo. He's the goalie who's going to be around when we host the World Cup in 2026. Yeah, and uh, we need to think about and that. And so that should be really the forefront of the thoughts for the Canadian team is that 2026 World Cup. Of course, the attacking stars are there with Blue Tabla, Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, but it's the defense which needs work. And I think finally seeing Maxime Crepo kind of step up between the pipes, it could be very promising in the Canadian net. Mm-hmm. Their, their first game is on June 15 versus the non-FIFA recognized nation of Martinique, uh, which is interesting that they're allowed in the Gold Cup, seeing as it is a FIFA tournament, but we saw Curacao in there uh, and a few other countries that are not, Guiana's in there too, a few other countries that are not uh, FIFA members are going to be competing at the Gold Cup. Lastly, on this podcast, we're going to take you through the injury report for both Pacific FC and for the Whitecaps. Yep, so we have Henry, Adnan, Bangura, and Reina. All injured and uh, unlike all unlikely for Saturday. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of good uh, names, especially on the attacking front. We have Adnan. He's technically not an attack. He's not an attacking player, but we get we saw what he did out uh, against Dallas. And Henry's a great player. Bangura, so speed and Jordy Rayner always has some great creativity up his sleeve. So it's going to be a it's going to be a big loss, but hopefully they're able to get back onto the pitch quickly. And I think we're also lucky that uh, even though he might not be the best midfielder, Felipe isn't injured after that Kansas City match where he went down 
pretty hard on that challenge from Oh, that was Matt. brutal. Yeah, it was that, brutal. I'm amazed he didn't hurt, like, hurt himself worse. That yeah, was brutal. It, that looked like it could have been a bro- broken ankle there. Oh, I, I don't know how it didn't break. Yeah. That was terrible. We do have John Arise back, though. He was in our last injury report. He had injured his ankle in training, but he is back and uh, orchestrating the midfield for the Whitecaps, like as fans really like seeing him do. So for Pacific FC, it's only the one injury. Hendrik Starozik is nearing his return in the center of defense, and once he comes back, that's really going to solidify the defense. And that's all for Pacific FC on the injury front. Yeah, and that's it for this episode. That's it for this episode. We'll be back next week and take a look at more Canada, more Whitecaps, and more Pacific FC. Thanks for listening, and we are always proud members of the Northern Starting 11 Network, and you can find us there. Thank you.